to Holy Commutes for Monday, April 3rd, 2023. Holy Commutes is the only daily morning podcast dedicated to all things Wolf Ball. This is the start of our 15th season here on Holy Commutes. I'm Paul Cook, joined as always by my brother Tim. We'll be getting you started here for our April 2023 season. Uh, the wiffle ball season is just around the corner, so we'll be doing four weeks here in April um, as things start to kick off or get ready to kick off. There's a lot of stuff to talk about. I'm sure on all the shows, and uh, we definitely have a lot to talk about too, Tim. Um, and on this week's show, we kind of want to put a final bow on 2022 by um, talking a little bit about the just concluded 2022 Drop 100 list, and then sort of looking forward to next year about what that list may look like um, in terms of some, you know, maybe some interesting players that you know may move up. Um, it just, you know, kind of the different factors that may um, influence next year's list. Um, so I, I just want to say sort of, this, you know, to start out um, on the 2022 Drop 100 list, we just we just got to the the end of the list this past week. Ryan McGalrath became the first um, player to be a two-time number one ranked player on the Drop 100 list. Uh, you know, much, much well-deserved. Um, Ryan had an incredible season. He went 19-1 pitching. Uh, he hit everywhere he went. Was really sort of the driving force behind you know the Jugs repeating both his Mid-Atlantic Undisputed Champions and his World Champions. And like the thing that I love about Ryan and I love about that last season, Tim, and we've talked we've talked about this before on the podcast, and we, you and I have talked about this a lot off the podcast. It's just the way he reinvented himself late in 2021. He, you know, he 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 was the number one ranked player in 2018, deservedly so, despite what you know some people may say. Um, but he's a completely different pitcher and player now. And just the way, just talk a little bit about how he reinvented himself last year and how like I think it's unprecedented. I don't think I've ever seen a football player reinvent himself the way Ryan has. Yeah, no, I mean, like, you know, when you have so many miles on your arm, you know, because he's a guy who never wants to give the ball up, you know, we, we played, you know, out in NWLA with him, you know, where he had that 16 inning game where he threw, you know, all 16 innings, like, you know, when you accumulate so much of that, you know, eventually things are going to catch up to you. And like, there was, you know, talk, in the and it, this was and by, by talk I mean you know very much just you know a couple people saying saying this so it wasn't it wasn't big by any means but there were whispers in the you know summer of 2021 oh you know 
he definitely looks human and maybe everything is starting to catch up with him and then it he just you know went in the total opposite direction by you know changing up the ball he was using you know throwing a repertoire that at this point you should know what's coming but people still can't hit it like it it it, it is ultra impressive it, it, he's you know he's doing it with like a major league baseball you know closer arsenal of you know really just two pitches only he's a starter and you know he's throwing you know he's throwing starter innings yeah and it is the whole thing is very Miguel Rath like you know both him and his brother of you know that's what they say built differently and all that um of just you know I don't think I don't think anyone I, I'm hard pressed to imagine to think of too many other Whifflers current Whifflers or past Whifflers to to be uh, frankly honest that would be able to reinvent themselves in that same way or think of that concept, you know, usually think, okay, I'm getting hit around. Let me think of more pitches. Let me go. Ryan went back mm-hmm. to the basics, you know, he, 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 like you said, he, you know, he limited his arsenal. He went back to just throwing sort of like a cut fastball and a change up. And then, you know, and he, he's got other pitches. Like he'll throw the slow yeah, yeah. in there. He's got multiple change ups, but like, he simplified it. It was almost like he became too much of a normal pitcher. You know what I mean? Of a normal football pitcher. And again, very much of a Galrath bad fashion. They don't want to be, they don't want to be the normal guys. They don't want to be the status quo. He found a way to, you know, to get away from that and make it effective. And the results speak for themselves and like not to get too ahead of ourselves, but like, you know, as a fan of the sport, it really excites me to see, um, you know, he, he's got no need to change it up now. But like if sometime in the future he has to change it up again, I really wonder what he's gonna do. Um, you know, again, I don't think he has to do that now because there's no reason. No, no, there's no no reason to change until it's not working. And it's it's working. That's the other thing. It's like it's working at a consistency against you know these top end opponents yeah. week in, week out. And it's, you know, we're coming up on, you know, this will be like the start of like probably this, you know, it's about a year and a half. So he'll be, you know, finishing up by the, by July, he'll be entering in year three of this. And yeah, it's just, it's, it's really impressive. And like, um, yeah, like you said, well-earned and just very interesting, you know, from, like you said, from the concept of, okay, well, you know, I have eight, Eight or nine pitches and that's even becoming like a major league baseball thing with the sweeper right. and stuff and stack cast being able to identify more than you know the traditional five or six pitches you have some people like you know who claim they throw nine or ten pitches and you know going back to you know just what works and you know for him and like you know it still relies on you know just great command which he's always had it's just like i think the command is even better like it's yeah it's 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 just crazy and like it's very well deserved and um like you said i'm very interested to just see how it continues and if there is that bump in the road and you know there's always bumps in the road in you know the game of baseball wiffle ball you know how 
what that next evolution is. Yeah, and 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 the one thing you can say about Ryan, and the one thing you can say about Miguel Raps, and then the Darker Knots as a team as a whole is, yeah, they're always looking ahead. They're not resting on their laurels. I think Ed Packer said it best on you know Twitter. Um, you know, he commented on you know just the impressiveness about how Ryan reinvented himself, and that kind of made me you know just just like think through that in my head and like you know C four hit him very very well in two thousand nineteen. Um, FS plastic and that's you know Ryan was throwing very much sort of you know still the normal arsenal at that point and um, I think that's what makes it so impressive that he was able to sort of you know think ahead and sort of think okay how do I you know again it took him a year you know to to sort of you know get it but uh, you know how do I do this and to, to simplify and go that route is really impressive um, it was a great season he won 19 fast pitch games um, and well we hope to have more of Ryan um, hopefully next week uh, to get him on this show to kind of talk about his season, talk about Wolf Ball in general. Um, he's definitely got a lot of interesting insights into Wolf Ball um, as a player. And he's, you know, a man after my own heart, at least, um, being a, you know, a person of few words. So we're hoping to get him on and kind of pick his brain a little bit on, um, you know, just his own career where he sees the game and all that stuff. So hopefully more of that next week, if we can lock down a date. Um, but where, where I want to go to now before we sort of flip the switch to the current year we're in 2023 um, is to sort of look back at the list of, of maybe of, of people that like weren't on the list, I think um, that we just kind of want to shout out. Yeah. You know, so, so like the one thing that was new this year was the drop 100 was you had to play in at least one full um, fast pitch league and or two plus tournaments, fast pitch tournaments in order to be on the list. Um, And that was something that I didn't really think about, but like um, in retrospect, you know, kind of all, I think I kind of like thought it would come at some point where we could get to this point where, you weren't just, you didn't have to just include people that only played in one tournament or, you know, didn't play in a full league or whatever it was um, where, you know, guys just were playing a lot of fast pitch wiffle ball. And so I didn't really think about like, okay, you know, we're going to, you know, that's, that's a goal we're trying to get to, but you know, last year's list, list, list which didn't come out, but we, we will get the top 10 out at some point and the number one player will be recognized and he'll get all the perks that um, any other number one player would, um, but like in putting that together last year, I, I kind of felt like it was close, right. To the point that, you know, you got, you got all these guys where you could, in the year before I did like a, a top 20, I did a 20 honorable mentions or 10, 15, 20, I can't remember what the number was outside of the top 100. Cause there's just that many players to mention. Then this year it was just obvious. It was just like, okay. Yeah. Like, like, like if, if we kept it, at, if I kept the thing at one tournament, um, minimum you know you just had to play any fast pitch you know you could have listed 200 players and it would have been really sort of difficult to compare the guys who just played one thing to the guys that played all season so we got to that point where we could do it there were still probably 20 or 30 players that met the criteria that could have been on this list this year and then there was a whole bunch that just did barely didn't meet the criteria that we kind of want to shout out um so let's start with the first of those groups guys that did technically did meet the criteria, but didn't make the list. And I, that, that I, I kind of just want to mention um, the first one is maybe I, I, I kind of feel like he's the first one 
during the drop uh, in the, you know, the, whatever the five, five ish years we've done the, I've done the drop 100 that I think is kind of a miss. I probably should have been on the list. And I just, I literally just, he, he just sort of slips under my radar because he didn't make the MAW um, minimum innings pitch qualification. He didn't have a good offensive season, but he should, should have still probably been on the back end. That's Johnny Costa. Um, yeah. He only really threw in one tournament. That was the Maryland tournament, but he threw 18 in Maryland MAW tournament, but he threw 18 scoreless innings in that uh, really didn't throw again. I know he had some health issues and stuff going on during the season. Didn't hit great. He had a 500 ish, somewhere in the 500 ish uh, OPS range. Um, but still just in those 18 scoreless innings in Maryland. And then, you know, he had some big hits as he always does for the usual suspects in UWF. He was probably a guy that should have, you know, been on. There's a down season for him, but he was still a good player. Yeah, and that happens with <laughs> these type of lists, and especially, you know, a little just you know, a quick behind the scenes thing. Like, you know, you list out the hundred, and they didn't stop changing until you got to what the top three, three. So, like, it just happened. And uh, yeah, Costa had a you know, a really a nice season on the mound. Where like you know any other year, yeah, he would have. And this year, he you know he probably should have made the list. Yeah, you know, I I I think I got I, I it was pretty early on. I think it was like yeah, like maybe like eighty five ish. I was like oh you know oh shit you know. I missed him. I, I I kind of started to look. Okay, is there anyone that can be bumped? And there really wasn't. Um, but yeah, so I, I just wanted to mention him, and I'm I'm sure there's even others. Um, I now I'm sure I know there's others because there's others that popped into my head at, at different points. Um, but he kind of sticks out as the biggest because again, 18 innings in 18 scoreless innings in one tournament in an MAW tournament with good competition, um, and then you know again hitting well like he at you whiffs like he always does um you know probably deserves that i think yeah he, he he's sort of the one guy um oh so so the government criteria other guys that met the criteria that i guess yeah we want to mention are um it, but johnny to me is like the one guy that like, probably should have been on the list these other guys i would still probably say should have been on the list but like i think they're worth mentioning for various reasons so the first one's cave on he technically yep. made the criteria Played in one MAW tournament, then UF. Um, only only pitched a few innings in the MAW tournament, but pitched fine. Hit well for the Axe in that Staten Island tournament. Um, he lost the only game he pitched in UF, but he was facing the juggernauts, and it was a Ben Stant home run, and they lost one nothing. So, like, he pitched well in that. Um, that's just a guy to sort of mention again because he's a perennial guy on the list. Even if he only plays in two tournaments next year, I would still expect him on the list. Um, even if that's all he does, because uh, he's that because he's that good. Um, Mike Tui's kind of in that same vein. Uh, he was technically eligible for the list, playing in the MLW Arizona tournament in January. And then you whiff, kind of the same deal at you with the one game he threw, he lost. You know, similar to Kayvon, um, played well out in Arizona. That was one of the lesser. MLW tournaments, um, both last year and of all time, just in terms of um, the competition level was, was very good. Um, but I think they combined everything into one division because they didn't have a, a large turnout. Um, 
you know, but he's a guy that, you know, again, you would expect to be on this list most of the time. And it was just sort of weeding through it. You know, my philosophy is always, you know, at the back end, I'd rather, you know, point out guys that are on their way up that, you know, you may not know about rather than say, Hey, a cave or a Mike Tui, um, yep. are technically better players, but they didn't really play as much as they did. Didn't perform as well as they did. Um, so yeah, I think those are really the three that kind of come to my mind from that group. Any anything you want to add there? No, I think you covered that pretty well. Yeah, I like again. Yeah, any of those guys play in the two plus next year, and and um, you know, I, I, I you said this earlier, like you know, we're at a point as we go into the twenty twenty three season where you know it also you know it it really does matter now you know, the more you play, it's not even so much the more you play. Now you've you've got to play more and you got to compete at a high level. So like, again, you know, in the, the first couple list, you know, those two tournaments, yeah, probably would have got guys on easier. It's just not that easy today. So, you know, it's a good thing that, that that's right. a good thing for like the health of the sport. Um, and isn't a knock at, you know, isn't a knock at the skill of those guys by any means. Yep. No, I hundred percent agree. It's, it, uh, it's a good thing. Um, uh, you know, for the sport and for everyone that, you know, like, like we're at that now we're not, you know, we have, you know, three straight 40 plus team national championships, you know, NWA tournament is pretty healthy and I think it's going to pop up you know, over these next couple of years, even more. And then just all the local stuff. There's just so many guys out there that it's a good thing that we have to start setting this criteria now. Um, makes It also makes my, it also makes making the list easier because it kind of, it's very, very hard to say, okay, well, how much do you weigh one tournament? One guy only played one tournament versus longevity. Going to two, it's still difficult, but at least you kind of have a baseline of, okay, like you at least have a sample size that's more than one weekend or more than one day. And that's, pretty important um said a couple guys that didn't make the criteria that that i just kind of want to mention um you know tyler flackney again a guy that you know you expect to be on this list sort of every single year hrl's not um unrestricted pitch speed so that didn't count for him didn't play in mnwa last year uh hrl didn't go to nwa tour with their first time maybe ever, or at least in many, many years. Uh, so he only had UWIF, but like really, really good in UWIF. You know, he was the meet Saturday pitcher and he got him there. He, he outdueled, you know, this is how good he was. He outdueled, um, you know, Whitener for four or five innings and then Mike Styles for one inning to get the meets pass with Inc. in the final 16, which is just, you know, and that was like, you know, that was his third or fourth game at that point. Um, he's undefeated. In you with, I think he's undefeated. I asked Jimmy Cole about this sometime, and he couldn't couldn't quite remember. But I don't think he's lost because I'm pretty sure Cole told me a few years ago, and I kind of went back at least with the records that um, we have the you know, records that you know people actually put out. Um, I, I think he's actually undefeated in NCT history. I think I don't think he lost in the Fast Plastic tournaments he played, in, uh, and he definitely hasn't lost in the UF ones. It's good again next last year if he plays one more tournament, you know, next year, you know, he's almost very, very likely going to be in. He's a, he's a great player. No doubt. 
Um, I think he's kind of the big one from that. I'm trying to think. Oh, yeah, Cooper yeah. Knuckle is, is the other guy I want to mention there. So, um, and he was kind of a bit of a weird one, um, you know, not to get too sort of into the behind the scenes things, but he, you know, he played in Texas Wiffle Ball League, which historically has been a fast pitch league. Last uh, last year, I can't remember if they had this year before, but definitely last year, you know, their rules uh, very clearly stated on their website that. The rules can be the rules are basically up to the two teams playing um on that particular day. So they can change pitch speed, they can change distance from um, you know, the mounds of the zone, they can change the batch you use, you they can change any of the rules. Um, and then when you kind of looked at the stats, it was very clear to me, you know, the, the, the stats, 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 stats tell the story. There's a bunch of, you know, offensive hitting stats, you know, like there were in ECW that kind of tells you, well, the pitching, you know, is probably not, um, you know, there's a lot of good pitchers in ECW. Yeah. Maybe they're not, you know, um, you know, throwing their best there. And it was very clear from the Texas Wiffle Ball League that that was kind of the same thing. It was very clear to me that you know, a lot of these games were probably medium pitch. And Cooper was a guy that you could judge that off of. You looked at his pitching stats and it was obvious he wasn't throwing fast pitch at his, yeah. at his hundred percent. Um, um, because or else, you know, ZRA was whatever, like seven or eight runs a game. It would have been, you know, under one if he was throwing like Cooper does. So that wasn't counted um, because, it, you know, it, it's not unrestricted pitch speed. It was restricted, you know, for probably a lot of those games. Braden UF again, he, he won two huge games Saturday night for the Canes, um, completed their plan for them, got Cam Smith into Sunday fresh. Cam won the first game. Um, you know, Sunday to get him a little further along the road and get him into the semifinals. So, you know, Cooper is very good, really, really good. Just didn't meet the criteria like like Tyler. Yep, totally. I think I and I do think those are the yeah, those are the two guys that um that really stick out. There may be, I mean, there may be one or two more. I'm sure there are. Yeah, if, if we're leaving anyone out, it's you know, it's not on purpose by any means. All right, so. Yeah, and I agree. It's just a great year, a great building block. You know, we say this every year, but like, you know, things just keep moving forward. So, you know, we are into 2023 now, just, you know, the last maybe 10 minutes here. I kind of want to talk a little bit about 2023 with the, through the lens of the, you know, of sort of individual players in the drop 100. Um, You know, there's so much stuff that sort of, you know, it's again, you know, the purpose of the drop 100, um, you know, it, we say this a lot. I kind of feel like I'm being a dead ho- horse at points, but I also don't think I am because, you know, um, I, I understand, you know, there's many different ways you can evaluate players and look at the game. And I think all that's good. But at the end of the day, it's what you actually did on the field and what you actually did in the field in that year. Like that's, you know, that's a big thing. I tell the story all the time. My favorite player growing up was this guy, Mike Devereaux for the Orioles, who was a, you know, a, a good player, a decent player for five or six years. But yet, or maybe even a little bit longer than that, you know, maybe really a good player for five or six years and then a okay serviceable player for another three years. But you know, it was 1992. He finished, you know, top 10 in AL MVP voting. He had close to 30 home runs, had 100 plus RBIs, um, put his usual good defense, you know, hit, hit like 280. Um, it was a career year. And like, um, you know, that was sort of resonated with me since he was my favorite player too. Of just like, okay, this is a, but like I, I knew, I knew where he stood in the totem pole. But it was like, to me, that was kind of cool that like, Hey, this guy's not great, 
but then he was great for that one year. He was a top 20 player in baseball. And I like that that was acknowledged. And, and, and that's kind of the whole purpose of the drop 100 is like, you know, it's supposed to be a yearbook of this past year. Guys in football, guys get injured. Their arms wear out really quickly. They're, they come and they go. It would be a shame. It's a shame if we always just focus on the guys that have the best talents or the guys that have the reputation and not acknowledge these guys that have one good year or two good years and then fade out because um, the sport is so fleeting, you know? Yeah, to- totally. And like, it's, you know, it's it's a little bit weird in the wiffle ball world about like how, you know, wh- why it's complicated that performance the past year is what really matters because that's, you know, when you're looking at MVP voting in any other sport, and believe me, there's a lot of flaws with having writers vote and, you know, how they interpret and view the game, but it's always based on that prior season. You're not getting a bump. You know, if Otani gets hurt for three-fourths of this year, he's not finishing in the top 10 in MVP even though from a talent perspective, yeah, he's a top five player. And we did this in one of the January episodes, you know, talking about like Mike Trout and Albert Pujols, but like, you know, that's just, you know, that's just something that, you know, makes sense. And it's, you know, it's cool when you have a legacy, but if your legacy is, Oh, I was, you know, great for 10 years, but I haven't really been that good the last couple. Yeah. You're not going to finish high on the list because, you know, I mean, I make the list because it's about that last season. Yeah. No, hundred percent. That's how I look at it at least. And again, you know, like you could look at it in a million different ways. I think all those ways are fine. Um, But yeah, I I do think there's a real importance there. I think like Will Smithy at number two this year is a good example of that, of, I don't know, you know, I, you know, he's a very, very, very good player. So I wouldn't be surprised me if he doesn't become a perennial sort of top 10 guy, but it was also his first year doing it. And rather than have the hesitation of, you know, uh, you know, it was, I'm sorry, it wasn't his first year. You know, last year was his first year doing it, but this year was even better, but rather have that hesitation. Okay. This guy doesn't have this long reputation. Don't put him up that high. It's like, well, no, let's recognize the season. Cause who knows this, that could be his peak of his, you know, of his football career. I hope it's not. I don't necessarily think it is, but you want to make sure you sort of, you know, get that. So sort of looking forward to next year, I'm trying to think of like, you know, who these guys are that could give in the criteria and all that, that could kind of, you know, pop up um, everyone's radars that, you know, uh, you know, using the list as a framework, but really what we're talking about is sort of hopping onto everyone's radars. Um, You know, and the first thing that kind of comes to my mind is MLW guys again, right? Like, you know, you and I have been bullish on them for a while. Um, and, you know, there's um, we hope to see some of those guys in MAW this year. This is, I guess, breaking news here that, you know, they signed up for the opening day tournament. Unfortunately, they won't be able to make it. We've got a 20, another 24th team um, that, you know, we'll have out hopefully not too, not too long after um, this podcast airs. But, you know, if they play in some MAW, if they get to NWA tournament with a more representative team and they go to UFs too. And then, and then also we're just not talking about just, you know, MLW could do two or three teams 
And in a couple of years at UWF, in a couple of years, I think they will have that, especially as more, you know, U17 guys graduate. You know, there's a lot of guys there that I could start seeing, you know, pop up. Jimmy North didn't make the list this year because MLW is a league, isn't eligible just because of the pitch restriction. He's never got it very easily, could have made the list. He's interested in playing elsewhere. Um, I think, you know, I think there's a good chance if he makes an MAW tournament too, makes the NWA tournament, he'll be on the list. Um, you know, a lot of the U17 guys, and I, don't, I don't know all these guys' ages. So I'm like, I don't know whether they're going to be in U17 this year or they're going to be, you know, um, the UF tournament. It, but it also doesn't really matter because the U17, and I think this is kind of an interesting thing maybe to talk about. It's not about now. It's I think this U17 tournament is going to become more and more competitive and the MLW individual tournaments. Oh. Uh, you know, um, non-adult ages uh, divisions are going to become more and more competitive that this year was the first time we had guys on the list just based on like, you know, so yeah, sort of lower division uh, stuff. But like, I think those guys are going to pop, you know, have a chance, even if they're still in the U17, because the U17 is going to be so competitive to pop up the list. So you're, you know, I think Dallas Allen probably graduates. I think, I think he was probably 17 this year, but like Dallas Allen's a guy to look for to, you know, Trey Flood, um, um, Landon, I'm going to butcher his last name, Uragadis, <laughs> something like that. Um, um, and there's a bunch of other MLW players. I'm just drawing a blank now. The uh, the guy that pitched well last year. And you with, like, I think there's a lot of, of guys from there that are, you know, really going to sort of pop up, especially as they start getting used to different um, styles and playing, you know, a little bit more of those different styles. Yeah. And the, you know, the sheer volume of people that MLW reaches and, you know, and that's been the case for a while, but the key thing has been now is yeah. Coming into these other styles and not just coming into them, you know, they already tested the waters um, now becoming really good at it you know this isn't you know i don't think this is controversial at all but like you know in three or four you know this list you know could be you know heavily dominated by these younger mlw guys who you know right now are in the u17 stuff and are gonna enter into their you know early 20s and into their prime and you know that's going to be a ton of fun to see because again when you're drawing from that wide of a player base you know of course you're going to get good players you're also going to get players that come out of nowhere and like you know our whole thing has been you got to keep yeah cuz we've seen it firsthand you've got to keep shuffling in new players and you know for a long time that wasn't happening or it was happening at a rate that wasn't you know that wasn't good enough um and i think we're starting to finally get to that point where you know we still you know you it's hard to look at anything like 10 years out but i you know i feel confident sitting here today that okay if things keep on the same tra trajectory as they're going in 10 years you know this won't be something we're talking about because it'll just be the norm. Yeah. And that's, and, and, and that's the goal, right? Like, you know, that, that, that's what we're, we're trying to get to. And I, like you just said, I, I, I think we can get there. I think we're on the right path. And like, I think I said to you personally, I'll just say this out loud now is, you know, um, 
it won't surprise me if not only will it surprise me, I was kind of expected. I, I won't put a timetable on, but like, you know, we'll, we'll say next three years or so, if there's not a, you know, majority MLW team that doesn't finish, you know, top, top eight with a tough elimination or, you know, more likely top four at a UWIF tournament, um, um, you know, in these next few years, I just, I, I just think that that's, you know, the sort of the talent they have there and, you know, um, it's and it's just gonna like you said it's just gonna keep getting more and more so i think we're gonna kind of see a changing of the guard um you know happen and i think uh it's just very interesting i think there's gonna be guys off the radar that are in, either whether they play in mlw or influenced by mlw that are really going to be some of the top players of the next decade plus of the sport and some other guys I just wanted to mention i forgot they were yeah sawyer bn who played in the main tournament last year played very well um Played in KWL, played very well. I would be surprised. He was on this year's list. Wouldn't be surprised if he pops up um, pretty far. You know, Nick Saylor, Trevor Bonham. Um, you know, there's just, I'm, I'm going to miss a ton of MLW guys because, you know, there's just so many of them. But like a lot of those guys, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, Chris Cheatham, if they don't um, pop back up, pop, pop up the list or get on the list in these next few years um, or next year specifically. Um, and then Caden Irwin's another one, you know, I don't know if I classify as an MLW player, you know, because he came up through WSEM, but he wasn't on the list this year again, just because he didn't play in two tournaments, but, you know, um, it's the league he's helping start out in Northwest Ohio and, you know, gets, the, um, if it, you know, gets the reps there, gets back out to NWA tour, gets back out to UWF. I would, you know, expect him on the list. Um, yep. There's a, there's a ton more guys we could talk about outside of MLW. We kind of uh, run up against our time limit here. But, like, again, that's just the exciting thing. That's just, there just is so many. And then in any single Wolf of Ball season, you're going to get surprises. You're going to get guys that you've never heard of um, before because they just started playing Wolf Ball and they just found out about it that are, you know, that are, that are going to stand out. And we're in a really good time for that. We're in a really solid space in the Wolf of Ball world where, like, um, you know, the goal is always to sort of move things ahead, but at the same time, there's something to be said for consistency and steadiness. And for the first time in many, many years, probably, and, and this isn't anything against Golden Sticks, you know, run in the 2010s, but I think they were always just kind of trying to get their footing and never sort of got that consistent leveling. Probably since Fast Plastic in the 2000s, where we're kind of at a nice even thing across the wiffle ball world where there's a bunch of leagues that are solid under solid footing, not going anywhere. The national stuff is on solid footing. Everything is under solid footing. And um, it'll be interesting to see what that produces. Totally. All right. So that's, we'll wrap that up for today. Then uh, we went a little bit over our time that we wanted to hit here, but uh, we'll be back next week again, hopefully with a, uh, Ryan McGowan, he's got a lot down of time for that. Talk to him a little bit, pick his brain on Wiffle Ball. Then the week after, our plan is to have a MAW tournament preview, MAW opening day preview. That's a 2014 um, largest MAW tournament in history. Um, coming up the week after that episode will air, and maybe we'll have some special guests on for that. We'll we'll see what we can do. And then the uh, following week after that tournament, we'll recap it again. Maybe we'll have some guests on to talk about that. Uh, but that's kind of how our April will look. And then Tim Dean's on tomorrow on Tuesdays. The Steffi's brothers are Wednesdays. Thursday is 
Why can't I remember Thursday? Hold on, let me. I think oh, I can. Thursday's a Missouri mashup, so I think that's going to be like a whole. I think you know maybe Sam Skibby a little bit, maybe um, Cam Smith. I I think yeah. it's just a bunch of those. Oh, guys. Yeah, and then uh, Friday is Josh Smith yeah. uh, from West Virginia. Um, so real eclectic group this time. So make sure you listen to all these weekly shows, and uh, I guess we'll see everyone next week. Right, Tim.